0: Diocese of Churches for the Sake of Others is pleased to present the C4SO podcast, a place to celebrate the voices and values of C4SO. C4SO is a National Diocese of the Anglican Church in North America, led by Bishop Todd Hunter. You can learn more about us at c4so.org. Hello.
1: Hello. Everyone, welcome to the C4SO podcast. I'm your host, Ben Sternke, and I'm here again with Bishop Todd Hunter. Hey, Ben. We are in the middle of our series, Advent, Hope, in Harsh Times. Um, We've interviewed Emily McGowan, Esau McCulley, two of our canon theologians. We'll talk a little bit later about what a canon theologian is, uh, because we have one on the podcast today, but I don't want to get ahead of myself, as well as um, we've talked with uh, priests in our diocese, Kimberly Deckel and John Odom. If you haven't listened to the previous episodes in the series, I would encourage you to do so. They are uh, really good. They've been really helpful for me (laughs) Uh, having these conversations uh, as I think about this uh, topic of um, how to cultivate hope in the harsh time that 2020 has been. Um, Bishop Todd, what's uh, maybe by way of reflection, you know, we've done four of these. We're going to do two more uh, before the end of the year. What's one thing that surprised you uh, in this series uh, as you've been participating in these conversations?
2: Yeah, so just to remind everybody, uh, Emily um, talked about eschatology as a source yeah. of hope. Uh, Esau talked to us about the hope that emerges from the black tradition, which yeah. I just find astounding. Um, yes. I mean, you know, yeah, we don't have time to talk about it, but <laughs> the hope that emerges from and has emerged for 300 yes. years of American history out of that tradition is really amazing. Yes. And then we heard those, you know, really personal, heartfelt stories from uh, Kimberly and John. I think the one takeaway I have so far been is that hope is crucial to human flourishing.
1: Mm.
2: That it's like baked into God's intention. You know, I, I thought this morning of 1 Corinthians 13, you know, where Paul says, uh, faith, hope, and love remain. Um, mm. we can, Dennis might know off the top of his head, I didn't have time to do the exegesis on this, exactly what remain means mm. or what Paul might've meant by remain in that context. But it feels as if Paul's saying, like, these are things that just are, hmm. and they're crucial to hmm. Christian spirituality. And, hmm. you know, and then, he, of course, he goes on to say that love is yeah. preeminent. So I just think, yeah, that it's like, sometimes hope feels sort of airy-fairy or over-spiritualized or something. But if you, like, think of what Esau said, no, it was a very concrete part of the black community flourishing yes. in And Horrible times. Yes. Or I thought this morning, what does hope mean to somebody who's just been put on hospice and told they have six weeks to live? Mm -hmm. It now is hope just airy fairy, or just you
1: know have some nice feelings? Yeah. Or Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah.
2: Or does it connect strongly to that Pauline eschatology that Emily was talking to us about Mm -hmm. that that hope that hope is meant to accompany us through all the ups and downs of human life, and therefore I think is core. To whatever God meant in the creation of humanity yeah. and its flourishing.
1: Yeah, yeah, I especially uh, resonate with you know what um, I guess both both especially what um, Esau and Emily reflected on just theologically that hope hope is necessary. You're right, and there is a, necess- a necessity then to believe in a power to put it generically a power that can do something that I am unable to do right now in my own strength. Mm -hmm. I think that's, that's one of the things that surprised me is how bad I am at suffering. (laughs) Like Mm -hmm. the, the suffering of just not being able to do something about a problem. Like Mm -hmm. I'm so used to being able to do something about this. And 2020 in a lot of ways has presented, uh, you know, all of us with problems that we can't do anything about. And so there is a necessity to sort of hope in, Christ's second return or to hope in God to come and save and to deliver and to do something for us that um, that we can't do for ourselves. So that's good. Well, uh, you alluded to this, Bishop Todd, but our guest today is uh, Reverend Dr. Dennis Ockholm, uh, professor of theology at Azusa Pacific University, and he's also, in addition to Emily, And Esau, and also Scott McKnight, one of the canon theologians of our diocese. Dennis, welcome to the C4SO podcast.
3: Thank you. It's good to be here.
1: Yeah, it's good to have you. Um, Dennis, maybe just uh, introduce yourself a bit more fully to our audience.
3: Well, I do teach uh, at Azusa Pacific University. This will be my, I think this is my 39th year of teaching theology. Wow. Um, I was at Wheaton College before this. Um, I have a mission statement of filling pews and pulpits with biblically and theologically literate people. Um, to help the church move Wonderful. along. I've got, um, my wife is uh, certified as the Christian educator, actually in the Presbyterian Church, uh, but mm-hmm. she's hanging around with us Anglicans now. Mm-hmm. Um, I got a couple of kids. one's in uh, One is in uh, Chicago uh, getting a nursing degree and working with COVID patients right now, too. Uh-huh. And the other is um, a daughter married to an Anglican priest in Toronto, um, oh. and they have our two granddaughters um, okay. who are all going to visit us um in next week so we're really excited oh, about that Great. yeah
1: wonderful i'm glad you're able to yeah. do that that's wonderful um bishop todd i know you've known dennis for a long time yeah uh, what's uh t- tell us something about dennis that you appreciate uh, is it going on reason? 10
2: years dennis now that we've known it each is other? It, yeah i think at least yeah yeah, yeah
3: well um cool. i was there toward the beginning of your founding of Holy Trinity in yeah, and and uh, And of
2: course, I wouldn't have known Dennis personally at the time, but I think my first awareness of him was, I know you've participated in some of those Four Views books mm-hmm. uh, okay. on this or that, and yeah. I think that might have been the first time I saw your name, Four Views on Hell or something. I don't remember yeah. which one it was. but it was, um,
3: Salvation in a, yeah. yeah it it something was, like yeah, that. Yeah. Universalism to...
2: Well, the, okay, so Ben, here's the reputation that mm-hmm. Dennis has in Southern California. I have to say two things. So, first one, this is the sort of fun reputation is. I don't know if I've ever known a professor more beloved by his students. Hmm. I mean, they just love him. Um, he's, you know, he's affectionately known as Doc Ock. And um, I've just had like so superhero. many students. <laughs> yeah. I've had so <laughs> many students from Fuller or APU just they just go on and on and and dennis and trevecca love to host students at their home and so mm-hmm. he's kind of he's kind of legendary relationally which is a great mm-hmm. a great thing to have that's is. a good reputation to have and the second thing is he's obviously got a fine mind um and uh, what i like about dennis is a kind of a fearless and creative mind um and is you know he owns his own thoughts and owns his own life and um uh, in a really good way, you know, that it you, mm. like you don't get the, you never get the impression from Dennis that he's just regurgitating stuff that he's mm. read, mm. but kind of a fearless, um, application, as he said, to, um, uh, human life in these ages. So I've always appreciated that about Dennis mm. that you, you could ask him something and be, be certain about getting a, not just a regurgitated answer, but a, a, a thoughtful answer.
1: Well, that's great. That sets us up well. I'm looking forward to hearing um, what he has to say today about uh, Advent hope in harsh times. Um, Right before we get to that, though, Dennis, could you tell us I don't know if we've ever talked about this on the podcast, but what is a canon theologian? What does that word come from? Canon, you know, are we talking about things that go boom? Means it keeps <laughs> me out of trouble. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. And then what is? Exactly. Yeah. What is? What? How yeah. do you see that to job in the diocese? What do you, What do you do? Yeah. In the
3: diocese? Well, it's it's kind of an assistant uh, to the to the bishop. Um, okay. But um, it's it's kind of cool when Todd is thinking through something. Um, uh, he wants to. Uh, quiz some of us, uh, get some feedback, uh, test some of his ideas on us, um, who have studied theology and biblical studies and that kind of thing. Not that he hasn't, but just to get some other um, points of view that will help him think theologically through some issues. Um, And and sometimes, um, maybe it's something that I've studied that um, uh, Bishop Todd hasn't always um, right, you know, investigated, and yeah, so we yeah. can be a help to the bishop in that way. So, well, that's wonderful. Yeah, yeah.
1: well, good. Um, I'm grateful. And they also, for that Ben, ministry. just to say,
2: they also help in the ordination process of, yes, um, helping us, helping us assess the theological capability of yes. our um, people in the ordination pipeline. Yes, yes. I was. So I those was are saying, the two main things.
1: Yeah, great. I was saying before we uh, hit record uh, that Dennis, I think you may have uh, uh, commented on or graded as isn't an official thing that happens, but um, one of my papers in the ordination process. So I think I remember your name. So <laughs> hopefully uh, in a good you. way. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I, I passed the paper. There were no problems. And so um, I did appreciate you at that point. So, um, all right, well, let's get into this. Um, mm-hmm. As you think about our theme, you know, our theme is um, Advent, hope in harsh times. Where does your mind go, um, Dennis? What, um, how do we learn to practice hope in times like 2020. What, what do you want to say about this?
3: Yeah, great question. And I, I've been working on a book uh, on patience. I've been working on this for mm. several years. Mm. Um, it all started because um, one Advent season I was reading Tertullian's treatise on patience. Tertullian from the second century, early church, you know, second century. Yeah. And, um, and he said that God is so patient he waited in the womb of Mary for nine months. Oh. Mm. Uh, I thought that's that's an amazing thought, um, and then I think about Mary's patience. Uh, how patient she must have been, uh, finding out from the moment of conception, um, which uh, you know would have been astounding. You know, to, to say, okay, uh, God, um, I'm not sure what this is all about, but let's here we go, um, and, and to wait those nine months um, with with God in her womb, which, by the way, is a mystery, and I don't right. get it but um, yeah. I believe it. Um, so so I began to think about patience and realized it's a very distinctively Christian virtue. Um, the um, secular world at the time of uh, the Christian church really didn't have patience on its um, radar as a virtue. Uh, mm. but, but Christians, in fact, uh, a book I'd recommend to everybody listening is Alan Kreider's book, The Patient Ferment of the Early Church. And he uh, talks about how the early church practiced patience in the midst of persecution and uh, plagues, uh, similar to what we're going <laughs> through now. It's <laughs> an amazing book, Alan Kreider, "The Patient Firmness of yes. the Early Church," and um, so that so I so then I began to investigate it, and the and and, and the one statement that I think really relates to Advent and hope, um, besides the fact that God is waiting in Mary's womb for nine months, um, is. Stanley Harawas's comment, he said, hope must be schooled by patience. Uh, If it's not, it can become triumphalism Hmm. or cynicism. Hmm. And I think by triumphalism, he meant if if we aren't patient in the midst of hope, we might try to coerce things. We might try to force things. Um, And then by cynicism... um, there are people who've given up. Um, yeah. if, if if they don't have patience in the midst of hope, um, they, they'll they be resigned and they'll just be passive. Hmm. And, and by the way, we can talk about this, but patience really isn't passivity. It's active. Um, we yeah. can talk about that. Yeah. Yeah, so that's where I'm see, seeing, thinking about things this Advent season.
2: And what about, just follow up on that, Dennis, what about hope? Like, help our listeners think about how hope is also has an active component to it.
3: Yeah, exactly. Um, I mean, uh, if if you put patience in the context of eschatology, in other words, waiting for that second advent, um, then uh, then our hope is uh, is is living into that um, second advent, um, but we have to wait patiently for it. I mean. I'm resonating with Israel, you know, uh, because in Advent season, we think about the Old Testament uh, waiting um, for the Messiah. And uh, you think about those Psalms, like Psalm 40, how long, O Lord, how long, how long? And I think that that's where we're at, how long, O Lord. And so as one per, I think it was Henri Nouwen who said, um, so what we've got along the way are um, uh, little hopes. <laughs> mm. <laughs> we have... <laughs> Little hopes that are fulfilled. I mean, we 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 see miraculous interventions of God um, in the midst of this that keep us going. Um, so, so I think in that sense, patience and hope work together um, back and forth. Um, I, I hope for something, but that encourages me to be patient further for the bigger um, hope. You know, yeah, it, it kind of goes like that.
1: Yeah, I appreciate your comment about active versus passive because I think. I think that's where my mind went is um, that the, when you talk about the virtue of patience and you talk about how our hope has to be schooled by patience, I'm still thinking about that as well. Um, otherwise, it it devolves right into this mm-hmm. triumphalism or this cynicism, which I think those are really, um, those are really uh, tempting categories, right? To sort of force the thing that we're hoping for, force it to happen, yeah. Um, or to give up hope that it will happen and sort of take, there's almost a solace that we're seeking in in abandoning hope, right? Uh, because it's, um, what am I thinking of here? It's painful. It mm. feels painful to sort of hold on to hope um, without devolving into triumphalism. And cynicism feels like an avoidance of the pain. Um so I guess what I'm wondering is um, how how is then patience? I think we think of patience and waiting as the same thing yes, and yes. waiting it does feel passive. It does feel mm-hmm. like I'm just I'm waiting for something else to happen, but what what is active about it or how is it not just passivity?
3: yeah, it's a it's a different kind of activity I think it, I, I I'm calling it in my book a creative activity mm. but it it's um, um, I mean again, I'm going to quote Harawas. he said, Patience does not mean doing nothing. Rather, mm-hmm. patience is sticking to what you are doing because you believe that it is worthy and worthwhile. Um, hmm. In other words, it's related to some biblical words. Um, one of my favorites, hupomone. I just mm-hmm. love that word because it kind of <laughs> has a, you know, hang in there sound to it, hupomone. <laughs> uh, and then "macrothemia," uh, which is kind of a, a widening capacity of your heart. Uh, because in while we wait, uh, we widen our capacity to even embrace the suffering that you mentioned. Yeah. Um, and by the way, this waiting or this patience um, is cruciform. Um, I, uh, mean, uh, one of our, uh, I mean, one of our—I mean—our ultimate um, uh, model for this, of course, is Jesus Christ. Um, and hmm. and so this this waiting is is it's living in the present moment. Um, but that's not doing nothing. That's sticking to it um, in, in a way that it um, um, is hopeful. Um, mm. But being present to the moment, too. I mean, being present to the moment. Uh, one of my friends, Robert Roberts, um, I affectionately call Bob Squared. Um, <laughs> As you should. Spent, yeah.
2: Sorry, I he, meant to say something earlier about... Uh, Dennis's quirky sense of humor—that's my third thing. <laughs> there it is. It's, it's becoming obvious as the conversation. Uh, we need a goes lot on. of humor these days. <laughs> yeah. um, oh, yeah, we need to close. do a whole
3: podcast of, of uh, sanctified jokes. But anyway, yeah. um, <laughs> but Bob, Bob wrote. Uh, Bob's Bob has spent his uh, career as a, philo- a Christian philosopher uh, investigating the emotions, and uh, <laughs> early on, he wrote a book uh, on on some of these emotions, and one was uh, he was dealing with patience. And he talked about his uh, son when he was a little boy. Um, uh, he, uh, he had to go vote for one of the elections. Um, and his when his son was a little boy, his son was going to go with him to vote. And he knew the Bob knew the poll was going to be closing soon. But when his little boy came out of the house to join him to get in the car, it was raining and he wanted to slosh around in the puddles along the way. Hmm. And Bob realized... Um, I need to be patient now. I need to be in this present moment with him, hmm. and you can see that that's not passivity. that That requires hmm. a kind of activ a creative activity, to to stick to that moment, to be present in that moment, um, and and wait. And again, uh, I think Mary becomes a, a model for us in that respect. You know, hmm. I mean. Um, her waiting was a creative waiting. She goes to um, Elizabeth, you know and 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 needs um, needs of affirmation. and by the way, I think this hope that we've been talking about, which involves this patience, requires community. Um, mm. We need to uh, have others who allow ourselves the space to hope uh, to have this uh, patient hopefulness hmm. um, and so. Yeah, so I think I think it's, you said I uh, think of a, um, a I'm not a hunter, but a hunter in a duck blind, waiting in mm-hmm. the cold. That's yeah. kind of a creative waiting. Uh, it's not passivity because the person is uh, being very yeah. present in the moment.
1: Yeah, you yeah. can't just be looking at your phone, right? You know, exactly. Like you'll miss it. You'll miss the deer. Or, exactly. So
3: so there's yeah. So so, um, yeah, um, so, so as um, you know, I think impatient people are always expecting. Uh, the real thing to happen somewhere else, um, you know, um, it's kind of what I call the "grass is greener over the fence" uh, mm-hmm. mentality. And mm-hmm. uh, now, what what can I do in the present moment that um, yeah. that sustains me? Yeah.
1: Hey, everyone. It's time again for the C4SO Cycle of Prayer Spotlight, where we highlight the specific ministry that we're praying for this week in our diocesan cycle of prayer. And this week we're praying for Christ Church Oahu in Kailua, Oahu. Did I say that right? You did. Very good. (laughs) Very good. All right. And uh, that voice you heard is uh, the rector of Christ Church. Uh, His name is Reverend Ed McNeil, and he's here to share briefly about what's going on right now and how we can pray specifically for them. Ed, uh, welcome Thanks officially you, to this D4SO Cycle of Prayer Spotlight. Yeah, it's good to have you. It's a pleasure to be here. Um, I'll ask you. I'll ask you the same questions uh, that I ask on this segment um, of everyone. What's one thing that you're encouraged by right now at Christ Church?
0: I have to say the faithfulness of God, whose presence is palpable when we gather for worship the faithfulness of our members and their calling to Christ Church O'ahu, and the faithfulness of our mainland donors whose continued support, without whose continued support, this would not be possible at all.
1: Mm, That is encouraging. Faithfulness in a time of pandemic. Exactly. That's That's a good thing. Yes. Uh, How about one challenge that you're facing right now at Christ Church? I'm
0: sure everyone's answering this the same way, right? It's COVID.
1: (laughs) It's, it's very similar, yes, Yeah, across the board.
0: We had slow but steady growth um, through the first year of our gathering. And when COVID hit, we hit a wall uh, mm-hmm. shortly after we locked down. You know, nothing replaces in-person worship to encourage both the congregation and to allow someone new to connect with the congregation. Few yeah. people are going church visiting right now. Everybody's socially isolating. Um, mm. Our prayers is that our growth will resume as immunizations become widely available.
1: Yes. Amen. Uh, in light of all this, uh, Ed, how can we be praying for you and for Christchurch?
0: That God will draw more people into Christchurch O'ahu and that we will grow deep roots in the community.
1: Mm. Amen. Well, thanks for joining us, Ed. It's my pleasure,
0: Ben. Good to have you. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Friends, if you want to find out more about Christ Church Oahu or contribute to their work, uh, you spoke of mainland donors, maybe that's you, uh, you can check out the link in the show notes. Yeah, I think of um a passage I read recently um uh from the Gospels uh, that's oftentimes read, you know, during Advent, um where Jesus says like keep awake. Like mm-hmm, yeah. uh blessed is the worker, the servant who like is just doing their chores when the master comes, you know. Um and I um every Advent when I've preached that text, um I've always preached it in that way to just say like um you Know, even in extraordinary times, there is a, a sense in which, like, we're just to do our chores, like, mm-hmm. say your prayers, like, love each other, like, do the things that you know to do, uh, even in the midst of these things. And I, I think that's some of what Kreider says, too, in uh, patient, uh, from the patient ferment of the other church, that these Christians were just getting going about their Christian business um, in the midst of, um, you know, all the persecution and the plagues and everything else that was happening. They were just going about their quiet Christian business, patiently uh, assuming that God was at work and waiting for him to act finally, um, refusing to act in a coercive way or to try to force the issue, um, but also refusing to give up hope and kind of submit to cynicism.
3: Yeah, there's two things you said, Ben, that remind me uh, for, of some further comments here. That, that One is, uh, another word uh, is abide. I mean, mm. um, you're, you're first comments there reminded me of that when uh we're told to abide and yeah. i think that's that's a waiting that's a patient hopeful uh, hopefulness yeah. um yeah so i think that's important um and uh and then yeah uh, it was uh it was a witness to the world what the early church did as yeah. they patiently endured um the persecutions and the and the plagues and and all that was going on uh, it wasn't escapist by any means um and 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 uh what i was saying about little hopes we do see provisional manifestations uh, kind of an- anticipatory realizations of god's uh peace and justice that's coming and the kingdom comes in its fullness and mm. we see we see that right now during uh, this advent season with covid um we see little glimmers of that don't we we see mm. people helping other people going out of their way um um, even the even the 90 year old woman who received the first uh, vac- vaccination, you know, in income yeah, yesterday I mean, it was, yeah. you know, that just uh, I was talking to a former student of mine, former fuller student of mine uh, who's living in London right now yesterday. And and uh, she said, wasn't that delightful? And it's kind of hmm. giving her hope. Um, uh, she's over there in the UK and um, saying, you know, well, yeah, this is this is on the way so um those little things but then the then they it, it i think this is important it has to become habitual for us hmm. it has to become a disposition um i've mentioned Howard Was, stanley Howard Was is one of my uh, favorites um and he co-wrote a, a book with a guy named uh, pinchus on um on the virtues and in one of the essays it's about uh connecting patience with patients in the hospital. Mm. And he, and he makes this comment that, um, if we have not, um, developed the, um, the virtue of patience, cultivated it, it will be too late when we do become patients. Mm. Um, and so that's something that we Christians need to be cultivating. And I think there are little ways to do that. um, um one of which is to um, to have models for us. As I mentioned, it's cruciform Jesus, but there are other models. Uh, one of the ones I'm using in my book is the Montgomery uh, bus boycott. Mm. Mm. When you read the story of that uh, boycott, it's incredible. We talk about creative activity in patience. Mm. Um, they formed, um, uh, you know. Um, uh, uh, they've, they've they they formed a uh, car um, you know um, transportation for people that weren't taking the bus yes, that's right, right. Oh, uh, yeah carpooling yeah, um, yeah. they they walked uh, they it was it was incredible um, and that required a lot of suffering because uh, oftentimes it was cold or rainy uh, but they hung in there for a year it was amazing yeah. Yeah. Um, and that 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 was an incredible testimony to me of patience in the midst of suffering um mm. with of course hope hope that the law would change and it did yeah they got the law to change um they got the court mm-hmm. uh, to come to their side um so um i i i think i i think we're in a season where we need to be looking for these little glimmers of yeah patient hopefulness, hopeful patience, Mm -hmm. (laughs) and um, have some people model it for us. Yeah,
2: I meant to say this, uh, Ben, an episode or two ago, I forget what, and I thought, I don't know, because I I don't like name dropping, but it feels like worth doing. So this was maybe six weeks ago or something, I lose track of time, but right in the middle of the three-pronged angst of pandemic, election, race issues, and I had to call Um, Richard Foster for something that was, you know, a substantive, not particularly fun conversation about those sorts of things. And Richard lives uh, in, I don't know if it's fair to say the forest, but he lives in the Front Range. uh, I forget exactly where, somewhere around Denver. But his office has, you know, like a whole wall is just windows, you know, looking out into the forest. And I called Richard, hey, Richard, how you doing? And his answer was, well, out my window, the trees are still obeying God Mm -hmm. and the squirrels are still doing their squirrel thing. And it was just this remarkable statement of what I hear Dennis talking about this, Mm. everything around us was swirling with controversy and that's what we were going to talk about. Mm. But he sees the trees obeying God and it's Mm. a source of hope. And he sees the squirrels doing their thing. (laughs) And I just, it's just so, so mind blowing to me. So, I say that, Dennis, to say this. So put on your sort of, you're also a pastor, have been a pastor for a long time. So putting on your sort of pastoral theology hat, like how would you encourage somebody who finds themselves, if they're honest, just losing hope? Mm -hmm. They just, and sometimes, as you know, part and parcel with that is a, a kind of doubting God, doubting the presence of God or the goodness of God. Like, what would you say to somebody who's, just if they're honest, or it's just having a really hard time hanging on
3: to hope. Yeah, yeah. And, and Todd, I, I want to affirm what um, you were saying about Richard Foster's comment, too, because um, this does require uh, faith in God's providence, um, mm-hmm. which, which is hard to have yeah. at times yeah. like this. Um, um, but, but, but patience is God's very being, um, yeah. hmm. I mean, think about God being patient with right. us. Um, yes. God um, is is relentless in God's patience with us. Um, but yeah, I think um, people who are uh, losing hope in in this situation um, again, I think that they need to see little little hopes um, uh, in other people. But um, um, but it does. Uh, uh, one person, uh, he's a. I, by the way, I hang around Benedictine monks. I've been doing that for about thirty years, and and writing <laughs> on them. But um, a, a monk who was a Wheaton classmate of mine years ago. Uh, he's an actually an Episcopal monk, Saint John of the Cross, in Massachusetts, and he wrote uh, a little piece about the fact that um, we're embodied creatures, um, mm-hmm. and and that we just have to realize that we're not in control um we're not in control um we we're embodied creatures who um uh, who have to accept the fact that i'm in a body yeah so i think those i think those who have given given up and sometimes um i mean i every situation is different but i think that um, there comes a point when one has to just kind of um, uh, give in to to the fact that you know I, I'm not in control. Um, I don't know what's going to happen, um, and that's scary. Mm-hmm. I, I I think this hope stuff is open. It should be open ended. Uh, Mary, come on, Mary didn't know what was really going to happen. Right. Um, she just said okay. What you want to do, God? Okay, um, let's do it. And then Joseph comes along and says, "I'm going to put you away." You know, quietly. But you know, we're done. I—I um, I mean, she must have had moments of despair like that. But I think there comes a point when you just have to—to uh, to be open-ended in that sense. Um, it. By the way, um, Henri Nouwen said, "Hope is not the same thing as wishing." Yeah, it's not the same thing as wishing. Um, and that's what he meant when uh, he was the one who was saying that hope is open-ended um i don't know what all this means but i'm going to trust that things will happen hmm. and yeah the trees will will be there the, the squirrels will be running around in them and that kind of thing um hmm. i do think um, um uh, to your question todd specifically this is where we have to have the church community yes. hmm. we have to have the church community Again, um, and sorry to mention Harawas all the time, but he wrote an incredible book called "God, Medicine, and Suffering." That took one of my uh, pre-med students in at APU uh, out of the medical um, uh, program for the future because he (laughs) was—it's a hard book to read. But um, he's talking about suffering, uh, uh, the suffering of children Mm -hmm. who have cancer, for instance, who are going to die. And he said, uh, I don't have the answer to that. I don't have the answer to to why they have to suffer and all that. The only thing I know that we have is that uh, we have a community Mm -hmm. that can sing songs of lament, that can say, how long, O Lord, but can do it as community. And frankly, I mean, that's what we've been doing at Holy Trinity um, when we had fires here that were pretty local and Mm -hmm. and, um, people's property was in danger from our congregation, and smoke was um, just inundating the place, mm-hmm. uh, we set up a, a prayer chain. And we contacted people and said, are you doing okay? Um, what can we do for you? We've got single older people, you know, that um, can't come to worship. We're doing it outside very carefully. But they can't. And so we're checking up on them. And um, And they're losing hope in a sense. Um, Mm. It requires community. I think Uh, that's, right now, that's so important. And back to Kreider's book. Yeah, the church was doing this as community. They weren't doing it individually. I don't think you, any of us, can sustain hope individually. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, I was
2: doing Praise You Go this morning on my way to work. And uh, one of the little guided prompts was, um, can you notice creation, all of creation, not just yourself? And I think, Dennis, of course, it was just a throwaway line for um, Richard. I I don't want to mean to say Richard meant this, but you could infer from what Richard said that even when the human community was going crazy, Mm. I look out my window and Mm -hmm. I can find sources of hope Mm -hmm. in wider creation. Yeah. Uh, Again, I don't want to overplay what he said, but. So, Ben, what do you do when you find yourself losing hope? Like, if you notice that, like, what are your sort of tactics for dealing with that? Just as a yeah. well, that, follower of I mean, Jesus.
1: That, yeah, I wanted to ask Dennis this as well, and maybe just say like here, a couple things that you've said that um, that have been helpful for me tactically um, in terms of like what do we, how do we actually practice patience? So that's kind of where I'm going with this question, um, Dennis. But I, um, you know, I think we've been talking a lot about these seeing seeing these little hopes, and I think that two things that I've heard. It seems like practicing patience is required in order to be able to see these things. Mm -hmm. Like we have, like it's going, it's going to be really, really difficult to see them if we're stuck in cynicism, and it's going to be really difficult for not to turn them into projects for me to complete now. You know, if I'm going to go into you know uh, triumphalism, Um, but to be able to patiently wait and see these little hopes, I think is dependent on our ability to practice this uh, patience. Mm -hmm. Um, And two things I heard you say that have been helpful for me, um, and then I want to ask if there's anything else that comes to mind for you, Mm -hmm. Dennis. One is you said that we've been singing songs of lament, Um, that those how long songs, like I see that as an act of hope. This is some of what we talked about with Esau, Mm -hmm. um, where those, just the singing of those songs, um, the praying of those prayers, praying the Psalms has meant more to me in the last year than it ever has in my entire life. I used to think, oh, yeah, this is the prayer book of the church. I knew all that stuff. But, like, it really has hit home for me because, you know, when I'm praying about, you know, I I imagine people in my mind when I, you know, when especially even in the imprecatory Psalms, like there's people out there doing bad things that I can't do anything about. But I can pray, and I know that God sees, you know, the unrighteous, and God is going to bring about. He's going to judge the earth, and that's such good news. And so, so that's one thing that I think has been a tactic, a, a practice, to say that actually praying the Psalms and singing these songs of lament is a way of practicing patience. Mm-hmm. Um, and the other thing, the other thing I heard you say is just what, that we need community with each other. Um, and I think this is something that Emily may have mentioned as well. Um, but that I think a lot of times what we, we don't need answers Uh, to, to, to these questions. mm -hmm. What we need is presence. Mm -hmm. We need the presence of someone who sees that this is hard and we can walk through it together. And our demand for an answer for how could God let this happen? Or why isn't God doing the thing that I expected him to do? Um, those things tend to fade into the background if we can be present with each other in love and could sort of experience uh, the presence of God together as community. Yeah. So those have been two things that have been, to answer your question, Bishop Todd, two things yeah. that have been helpful for Great. me, Thank you. Yeah. presence and actually singing those psalms of lament. Dennis, I'll kick it back to you. Anything else come to mind? How yeah, can a couple people of practically yeah. do this?
3: Couple of things, and by the way, um, I opened the blinds this morning and we had a beautiful sunrise. And this has happened to me before, and I automatically go to um, When Morning Gilds the Skies, My Heart Awakening Cries, that old hymn, yeah. May Jesus Christ be praised. So, um, that leads me to say, I think a great practice. Uh, we've said this to our son, who sometimes has a, you know, uh, Am I going to make it through this RN program that he's in um, to be a nurse? Um, can you just uh at the end uh, at night uh before you go to bed um just think of three things that you're thankful for today um mm-hmm. that sounds like such a simple um thing, a throwaway thing almost, but not really I mean no. uh I think all of us can think of, yeah, I'm thankful for that little thing, this little thing um and and that that is similar, I think to opening the blinds and seeing a sunrise and saying. Thank you, God, um, yes. um, my heart awakening cries. Um, and I, um, again, thinking of, of, of the suffering, but hopeful patience of other people, like I mentioned the bus boycott, there are others, Nelson Mandela comes to mind, people like that, just to read their biographies, to study them, or just to think about yeah. those people. Yes. And then um, to know myself, what's triggering, what's triggering um, my hopelessness? Um, and that's really important psychologically is um, to look at the triggers um, yeah. and can, when those come, what, what am I going to do? I've got, do I have a plan of action that's going to counter that trigger? Yeah. Um, that's such a, an, an important thing. Um, and by the way, I want to affirm what you said about the imprecatory Psalms. I wrote a book called Monk Habits for Everyday People. And in there, I have a story of a monk who said, did it bother you this morning when we said the, um, you know, dashed their children's heads on the rocks, uh, chanted that? Yeah. And I said, yeah, it did, Brother Gene. And he said, did me too. And then I think of everybody in the world today who feels that way, and I pray for them. Yes. Mm. And um, so there's another practice. Uh, can I get out of myself and pray for, you know, I was in, uh, when I was in high school, I, I fractured my pelvis in uh, Mount Shasta going down an inner tube. And I was in the hospital in Reading and um, and I had a um, you know, roommate and who was, I don't know what his problem was, but <laughs> but I was laying there thinking, um, I don't have it uh, as bad as some other people. I mean, I had a pint of blood in my back, you know, and I couldn't move. And But I, there's somebody who's got it worse than me. And then the thought occurred to me, there's one person in the world who is worse than anybody else? <laughs> <laughs> well, they have it worse off right now. Yeah. So it's it's not That's as funny. bad for me, you yeah, know. It's funny. Um, and yeah. uh, uh, <laughs> it's a crazy thought, but yeah. but in the sense that um, you know, um, it, it's part of that community thing in a sense. But I'm thinking <laughs> there are the people who have it uh, worse, and yeah. so thank you, God, for your providence in my case. Yeah, um, yeah. Yeah,
1: yeah, that's really helpful. Just practices, I think, that that take us out of the mindset of uh, why, like the why questions. Why aren't you doing this, God? And practices that take us into the curiosity question of, I wonder what God is doing. I wonder yeah. could, what could, is happening. Could
3: I add to that? That's yes. the difference between Zechariah and Mary. Mary mm. said, "Do it to me, whatever. Uh, I'm open to this." And yeah. Zechariah says. How will I know? In other words,, <laughs> yeah. what's going on here? you yes, know and, yeah. and prove this to me? And so yeah. he gets nine months of pregnancy of silence, um, which was a great yeah. opportunity for his wife, you know um, <laughs> <laughs> <Probably>. <laughs> <laughs> So um, I think that's one can contemplate that difference between Zechariah's response and Mary's. yeah, that's
1: yeah, that's a really good yeah. uh, a really good encouragement. Well, um, Dennis, thank you for spending this time with us. Thank you for uh, these thoughts; it's given me a lot to think about um, as I practice hope myself uh, in this uh, this year, this Advent, um, and also as I think about the people that I'm leading and have influence over. Um, any final words from you, Bishop, before we go?
2: No, just to say that I think Dennis helped us see a kind of a holism that uh, adheres to hope today. Mm. Things like patience and mm-hmm. thankfulness. I mean, I think you know this, Dennis, but just because of our friendship, but I don't know, for many years now, I don't know how many, but seems like five or ten or something. Not every night, of course, I'm not perfect, but most nights practicing examine, mm. Ignatian examine. And so last night I sat in my chair and I get my phone out and I literally I go through my day, all the various appointments or whatever I'm doing, and do what you say i just give thanks to god for where i noticed his consolation yeah. um and i hadn't thought though dennis how that may actually be fomenting hope in me in a way that i had i hadn't exactly put that together but i think you're exactly right hmm. that there are several things that help foment hope like you said patience today and i think what you said about thanksgiving is really important too yeah an indirect way of fomenting hope
3: yes
2: well
1: thanks again, Dennis, for joining us. Yep. Thanks so much, you. Dennis. Great to see my, you.
3: My pleasure and great to talk with you guys.
1: Yeah. Well, I'll have to do it again sometime.
3: Yep.
0: Thanks again for listening to this episode of the C4SO podcast. We hope you enjoyed our conversation. Email us your thoughts and suggestions at connect at c4so.org.